There's nothing worse than a snowstorm coming through town. It always makes me feel incredibly bad for the homeless, because many lose their lives in these types of situations. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true snowstorm horror stories that'll keep you up tonight. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true snowstorm horror stories. If you live in the northeastern part of the United States, then you know that a huge snowstorm came in this week. Well, I was at my boyfriend's house, and we couldn't find his puppy in his backyard. We kept calling his name, but we couldn't find him, and he wasn't coming to us, like he always does. In fact, we got really scared, and in fear that he somehow got out of the gated backyard, I grabbed my snow boots and ran to the back door that he has in the kitchen. To note, my boyfriend was standing by the back door looking for the dog, and his dad was at the front door talking to a postal delivery driver. We were the only three inside the house. I put on a snow boot, then hopped from one side of the kitchen to the other while putting on the other. As I slipped on the second boot, my foot slipped from under me because my boots were still wet. I landed hard on one knee, and my other leg flew out from in front of me. I then landed on my butt and knew I was going to fall backwards and land on my head. In that moment, I felt someone catch my upper back and shoulders with their hands and then squeeze my shoulders. It kept me from falling backwards and slamming my head against the tile floor. My boyfriend was standing in front of me and has a broken foot, so he would never have made it in time to catch me, so I assumed it was my boyfriend's dad. His dad came back and asked if everything was okay and what had just happened. I didn't think anything of it at the time and laughed off my bruised knee. Later that night, my boyfriend's mom came home from work, and I was telling her how her husband saved me from a bad fall. My boyfriend then cut me off and said his dad didn't even come into the kitchen until after I fell, and that he didn't know what I was talking about. We even confirmed this with his dad as well, and he even stated that he saw me sitting on the floor when he came back to check on the dog. I have no idea what I experienced, or what could explain what I experienced. All I know is that I fell hard, and that whatever happened saved me from possibly getting really hurt. I can't explain why I felt someone catch me or why they squeezed my shoulders after they caught me. Can anyone else explain this experience, or does anyone have a similar one? This story happened to me roughly six years ago but I think about it frequently because it's the only paranormal thing I witnessed that I'm 100% sure was real. I can't help thinking, maybe someone had a similar experience out there, or somebody listening to the show might have some theories. So, it was the middle of winter, and it was terribly cold. There was a huge snowstorm outside. I went to my kitchen to make myself some tea. It was about 2300 hours. Note, that I'm used to going to bed at around 3 to 4 a.m., so I was not sleepy in the slightest. I was approaching the table when my gaze accidentally fell on the street outside. I saw two men in dark clothes walking there along the road. They struck me as unnatural right away because of how they were walking, calmly 
slowly, leisurely, talking and gesturing to each other. With how strong the wind was, people just couldn't walk like that. I adjusted the curtain to take a better look. It hid them from my view for less than a second, and when I looked again, they were gone. The road where they were walking is long and surrounded by nothing. They just couldn't have hid anywhere during that split second. I was shocked and downright curious. The next night, I checked again but saw no one. The night after that, though, I saw them again. The same men walking in a similar snowstorm, just as slowly and casually. I stared at them for a while. Then I moved to the curtain again, just out of curiosity, and the next second, they were gone. I have never seen them again after this, though. I still check the street every now and then, whenever I approach the window. My only guess is, is that I somehow peeked into some other reality, where it wasn't cold and saw some ordinary two men going on their way. But who knows what it really was. I have seen some other strange things in my lifetime, but nothing I can really be sure of. I'm not impressionable, and I try to find an explanation for everything, and this is the only case where I can. Maybe some of you guys listening will have some ideas as to what this may be. I don't know much about paranormal activities, not in depth anyway, so maybe such sightings aren't that rare. So this story takes place when I was six years old. I don't remember the incident itself, but I do remember that day, some of what happened, and that trip. My parents have retold the story several times since, so I grew up hearing it and have all the other pieces that I was missing. We were going on a trip to see my grandmother for about two weeks surrounding Christmas. So my mother and my stepdad threw me and my brother in the van and we hit the road. My grandmother was living about nine hours away at the time, and the trip is never the safest in the world and worse yet during the winter. Getting to her house involved driving on steep, winding mountain roads with hairpin turns and sheer drops with no guardrail to speak of in an old, beat-down van in the Canadian winter. I feel like my parents were being very optimistic and thinking that the van would even make the trip. It did not. In the middle of nowhere, in a heavy blizzard, the van had broken down. My stepdad managed to limp it three-fourths of the way there but eventually it died. My mom used her one bar of cell reception to call CAA, basically the Canadian AAA. After that, there was nothing to do but sit and wait. In a place so rural, there's not a lot of traffic on the road, especially not in December in a terrible snowstorm. So, with no help on the way, they dressed us in our full winter gear and held us in their laps, just trying to keep us warm. They explained to us since then that they were freaking out. It was very cold, getting dark, and we had hardly anything left to eat or drink. And on top of that, they had a six and three-year-old to keep alive. Yikes. So here it is. It was really starting to get black when my mom said something like, What if nobody comes? What if they can't find us? To my dad. And apparently, I pepped right up into her arms and said, Don't worry, mommy. Michael was coming. They told me that they thought that I was referring to Michael, the Archangel, because we were raised Catholic. They thought that I was meaning that he was coming to save us and was just trying to be reassuring in that little kid way. They smiled at me and thanked me for being brave. Not two minutes later, the only vehicle to come down that road since we had been broken down, rounded the bend and cut through the dark with headlights leading to us. The tow truck CAA had been sent for us, pulling up beside us, and my parents left my brother and I in the van, jumped out to meet them. 
The guy driving the tow truck was out in the snow. He reached to shake my dad's hand and said, Hi there, folks. I'm with CAA. I'm here to help. My name is Michael. I was six years old. Somehow, I had predicted the CAA call guy being Michael. And my parents, ever since then, have had no idea how it happened. Now, I know this might not be the worst and most terrifying story you've ever heard, but it is a bit spooky that a six-year-old somehow knew that Michael was coming. This story took place when I was 23 years old, close to 10 years ago. I was living in upstate New York in a very rural area with my ex-boyfriend and his family. He and I used to argue quite a bit. One morning before he went to work, he and I got in a very heated argument. He was 20 years my senior, but during this fight he acted majorly juvenile. He jumped out of bed, flipped me the bird, and yelled, If you don't like it so much, then why don't you go ahead and go back to the Bronx? That was all the prompting I needed. I threw on my Uggs and my winter jacket, grabbed my cigarettes, and flew out of the house. I am unfortunately an impulsive person and didn't think to grab my cell phone before I stormed out of there. I didn't drive, so my only option was to walk. I don't think at the time that I intended to walk back to the Bronx, as it was a three-hour car ride upstate, but I just needed to go for an angry, dramatic walk. I realized once I got to this road at the entrance of the trailer park that I had no idea where anything really was around here, as I had only lived there a few months at that point, and we really didn't go out a lot. I banked left, just walked and walked where eventually a new civilization would be. I found myself walking alongside a very busy stretch of road, with 18-wheelers flying by, spraying me with slushy snow and soaking my shoes. I saw my then-boyfriend driving by on his way to work, and he sped up as he drove past me, evidently still angry about our fight. I thought for sure he was going to turn around at some point, but he never came back. I pressed on, deciding instead to try and walk to my best friend's mother's house, which I knew would be in the same town. It started to snow, and I was losing momentum. I passed by a VFW, where a nondescript pickup truck was parked in the driveway. It wasn't until I had passed it that I even realized that there was a driver in the front seat. He called out to me, Hey honey, do you need some help? My stomach churned, realizing I would have to accept this stranger's offer. I approached his truck slowly, and tried to weigh out my options. He was a clean-cut, seemingly normal older white guy, gray hair, greenest blue eyes, just average. I blurted out, are you a good guy or a bad guy? And cringed at myself for asking such a dumb question. <laughs> I'm a good guy, I wouldn't tell you if I was bad. I ignored the bells going off in my head and got in the front seat with him. As we drove, I realized I had no clue where my friend's mom lived. I knew the name of the road she lived on, but it spanned a good distance, so it wasn't very helpful in terms of finding my destination. I asked to borrow a cell phone so I could try calling my best friend to ask her where I was going. I called her three times and she didn't answer because she didn't recognize the number. I started to feel inexplicably hopeless. After a few minutes, he asked me where I was from and why I was out in the middle of nowhere, in the snow, wearing pajamas. I explained I was originally from the Bronx and that I had gotten into a fight with my boyfriend. He paused. Hey, you wouldn't be interested in making a little money, would you? I chuckled nervously and said, Oh, no, thanks though. He responded with, Well, I just figured since you were from the Bronx, and trailed off, 
realizing at that point I was almost definitely in deep trouble. I muttered, oh, sure. He eyed me up and down and laughed at himself a bit before saying, sure, she says. I started to panic big time, but knew I couldn't show my fear. I scoured the scenery for a pillowy snowbank that I could land in if I leapt out of the truck. But to no avail, there were none. The houses were so few and far between, I became certain this would be how I met my demise. I'll never know why, but it was at this point that he decided to ask me who I was going to see. I quickly blurted out my best friend's mom's name and her husband's full name. He instantly perked up and explained that he knew the husband and how they used to snowmobile together 20 years ago. I felt the greatest wave of relief when he explained that he knew exactly where his old buddy lived. When we finally pulled up to that big yellow house, it was like arriving at the promised land. I reluctantly asked his name. Steve, he said. Then he asked mine. I gave him a fake name, spat out a fake thank you, and ran as fast as I could to the front porch. I crashed through their front door and locked it behind me. I immediately started crying and running through the house trying to find my friend's mom. I had awoken her from a sound sleep, but she didn't say a word about it upon seeing how shaken up I was. Once I knew I was safe with her, I explained everything. The fight, the fleeing, the weird guy, and his sexual proposition, and she listened, horrified and curious at the same time. She made me promise to never do anything so reckless again. She told me she would ask her husband when I got home about this Steve guy and find out more about him. I returned to my boyfriend's later that same day and got really stoned and tried to forget about the events of that morning. The following day, my friend's mom called me to tell me that Steve was a dangerous person who her husband had cut off communication with years ago. The last he had heard about Steve was that he had been arrested for sexual assault. She then went on to point out how incredibly easy it would have been for him to hurt me and leave me just about anywhere on some lonely stretch of road, and no one would have known where to look for me. Not to mention, I might not have even been found until the snow thawed out. Upon sharing this story again with my best friend, who I mentioned in this story, she reminded me that I left out a super unsettling detail. When her mom called, she was able to tell me Steve's last name. One of the first results on Google with his name, plus the town's name, brought me straight to the registered sex offender website with a mugshot of him. His eyes looked cold and empty, and I realized with him being on probation at the time, he would have been especially eager to not have me get him in any further trouble with the law. Her mom said it best when she told me that I must have had some serious guardian angels watching over me that day. When I was around seven or eight years old, I had a disturbing encounter with a creature or entity. I lived in the Appalachian Mountains Range of Pennsylvania. It was November, around when daylight saving time occurred. I remember it was supposed to be a school day, but since the snow was so heavy, the buses could not drive out in the morning, so the school had been canceled for a snow day. I was so excited to spend the rest of the day outside in the snow. We had an acre of property going quite far back into the woods. I walked deep into the forest to a small frozen pond past my property line. Then, suddenly, the woods went dead silent. No birds, no wildlife scurrying around, absolutely nothing. I remember thinking it was strange but kept walking to make it to the pond. I should have turned around right then and there, but I was just a naive little kid. After I reached the pond, Everything was still completely silent, 
and the hairs on the back of my neck felt like they were rising. I started to get frightened, and I didn't know why. I just felt like something terrible would happen to me if I didn't leave at that very moment, so I decided to turn back and run back home. As I arrived at the backyard, I realized it was so late and the sun was setting. My mom came running outside asking me where I was literally all day and to never disappear like that again. None of this made any sense because I had only been gone for about 20 minutes. I left my house with my snow gear around 10am, right after getting the snow day call. It was now almost 8pm, meaning I had been gone for approximately 10 whole hours. I have no idea what happened and how I had been gone for such a long period. I remember only being out there for such a short period. I'm unsure how to categorize this. I don't know if this was some sort of creature encounter that maybe made me lose time and forget what happened. I don't know if this was some sort of time warp or what. When I was 14 years old, I was spending a Saturday night relaxing and all I was planning on doing was watching Netflix alone in my family's cozy vacation cabin. It was a small two-bedroom cabin, out in the country, which meant there were no houses for miles, but I liked the quiet. My parents were out on a date and were probably not going to be home until well after midnight or so because all the roads were backed up due to the snowstorm. It was getting late, and I was waiting on the pizza I had ordered like an hour ago and was starting to wonder what was taking so long. I just figured it was because of the icy roads. I sat on the couch and decided that I was going to be a man and watch a horror movie on Netflix all alone. I was tired of being too scared and hit play. When I was about five minutes into the movie, I jumped to the sudden sound of the doorbell. Realizing that it was the pizza guy, I sped to the front door. I opened the door and I was startled by what I saw. It was a dirty, middle-aged man. So dirty he looked like a homeless guy living on the streets. He had long, greasy hair and needed a good shave. The only thing that kept me from slamming that door was the fact that he was holding a box of pizza and was wearing a Domino's uniform, which honestly looked as if he threw it on as fast as possible. But the buttons weren't actually aligned and it looked like it was a few sizes too small. The name tag on the shirt said, Michael Smith. It looked like it was hanging by a thread. He was smiling at me, staring directly into my eyes, not blinking a single time. His eyes gave me an uneasy feeling. His smile was so big, almost unnatural. He said, Hi, I'm Ted. Did you order a large cheese pizza? I said, uh, hi, yes. And he was still giving me that same cold smile. I reached my hand into my pocket, looking for the cash I had. Feeling nothing, I said, I'll be right back. I left the money in the kitchen. Before I left to go into the kitchen, I pushed the door almost shut, leaving a very slight crack open. Walking into the kitchen, I grabbed my wallet and started shuffling through my bills trying to find the 20 I had in there. My concentration was disrupted by the sound of a breaking news alert on the small TV that we always had on the news channel in the kitchen. The bold letters on the bottom of the screen read, Domino's pizza delivery man named Michael Smith found stabbed to death in ditch unclothed. I froze in shock. I remembered that the man standing on my front doorstep said his name was Ted, but had a name tag reading Michael Smith, and that he said that his name was Ted like I just mentioned. Chill shot down my spine as I put two and two together. I turned around, basically running to the door. 
I screamed when the door was wide open and the pizza box was laying on the floor, right next to the stairs. I reached for my phone that I always kept in my back pocket. I nearly cried when I felt nothing in my back pocket and remembered that I had left it charging on my nightstand in my room, upstairs. I started going through all of the options I had. I couldn't just run into the snowstorm and run to a mile to the nearest house. I couldn't hide until my parents got home, and that definitely would be a few more hours. The only option I had was to get the phone upstairs and call 911. I felt like my heart was going to stop. I grabbed the biggest knife I could find, not that I was going to be brave enough to use it anyways. My knees and hands were shaking so bad, I slowly walked up the stairs, trying not to make a sound. I got to the last step and saw my room. The door was wide open. I started mentally preparing myself for what might happen as soon as I walk into that room. I tiptoed to the side of the door, making sure that I wasn't visible to whoever could be inside. I peered my head into the room. Nothing. No creepy killer standing in the middle of the room with an axe. In fact, the room was just as I had left it. I could see my phone in my nightstand, which was across from the further side of the room, right next to the closet. I walked in there and reached across my bed. It was just a few inches away from me when I was grabbing it. I was just a few inches away from grabbing that phone and calling the police. I inched forward. I took a big deep breath, hearing the 911 operator's voice gave me a sense of safety. The woman on the other line said, 911, what is your emergency? Hi, yes, my name is Matthew Thompson, and there is a man somewhere in my house. I am in a cabin on 71 Shirley Avenue. I had said this very quickly. I had seen so many episodes of Law & Order, I had already known what information the operator needed. As the operator was telling me to stay on the line, something caught my eye. My closet. I always kept my closet closed because I had always had a paranoid feeling about it. I hated seeing the darkness in my closet, not being able to see what was in there. Of course, nothing had ever actually been in there. Until now. The closet door was slightly open. Open just enough to see two eyes staring at me. Those eyes were not the worst part. What keeps me up at night, to this very day, was the fact that he was smiling. So big. I screamed and the closet door swung open forcefully. Now I could see his whole body, his face still smiling at me. I have never ran so fast in my life. I booked it out the room, through the hallway and the footsteps behind me were never farther than a few feet away. I managed to turn my head and see the man behind me chasing me, still smiling. I threw myself into the downstairs bathroom and locked it. He began to laugh, but this laugh wasn't like a deep, raspy voice, like I would imagine it to sound like. It was high-pitched. It was maniacal. It sounded so childish, which made the whole situation even more nerve-wracking. He was now throwing his body against the door. Every time I heard the man's body being thrown against the door, the man's childish laugh followed. I knew I didn't have much more time until that small, chintzy door eventually broke down. But I also knew that it wasn't going to be much longer until the police arrive. I quickly looked around the bathroom, unfamiliar with it since I usually used the downstairs one. My body was already halfway out the second I saw the small bathroom window, which I had never noticed until now. Somehow... After a couple more seconds of squirming around, I was outside. The cold snow felt good by this time I had worked up a bit of a sweat. I had tried to get up and start running, but the storm was so strong. It was just hard to get a few steps away from the cabin. I could still hear the man banging against the door by his laugh. I could hear the wooden door start to crack. Just a couple more tries and he was in. He immediately noticed that the window was open and knew I was outside. 
I could hear his footsteps getting further away. He was running to the front door to get where I was helplessly sitting. I kept looking back and forth to see the sides of the house, not knowing which side he was going to come from. I then saw him peering his head over the side of the house, only making his smile visible. I screamed in fear as this man was still wearing that Domino's uniform, tiptoeing to me. He was tiptoeing like you would see in a cartoon, making his steps dramatic. This frightened me as I began to realize how insane this man really was. He was about five feet away from me when I heard the beautiful sound of the police sirens. There could not have been a better time for the police to show up because as soon as that man heard the sirens, he gave one last look at me, smiled and waved as he ran off into the woods over the loud sound of the wind. I could hear that the man was laughing. When the cops eventually pulled into my driveway, I ran towards them crying out of disbelief of what had just happened. I tried to tell them the story, but the only thing that I was able to get out barely made sense. After they calmed me down, they were able to get the full story out of me. I stayed with two officers and made sure they checked the cabin inch by inch while two other officers searched the woods. By this time, it was basically pitch black outside and my parents had finally arrived. After a long, thorough search, there was no sign of the man. I got absolutely no sleep for quite a while after that, still imagining that big, creepy smile. After this whole situation, I wish I could end this by saying I still hear that occasional knock at the door or something cliche, but it has been quiet with no signs of that man. I hope to never see that grinning face for as long as I live, whether that man's intentions were to kill me or much, much worse. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true snowstorm horror stories. Living in the south myself, I don't see too much snow unless I venture out of the swamp a bit. And honestly, it's nice to visit, but after about an hour or two, I'm about over it. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating, as that helps us a ton over there. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but would still like to download your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you go, you can do so absolutely free with... Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the swamp further, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and so much more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. I'd also love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. I know it's always so tough to pick one out of all these great submissions. If you have a story that you would like to send in in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.